0: Alright. Alright, Emily. This is insane. What's insane, Josh? We have been traveling forever, and we still haven't seen the whole game.
1: I know! Isn't it great?
0: I guess. But, hey, can we just take that car over there? Maybe get to the edge of the map?
1: That red convertible? We could, but... But what? once we get in, there's a time limit, and it's pretty dangerous.
0: I'll take the passenger seat. Of course you will. Hey, there's a radio in here. There are three stations, looks like. Splash wave, passing breeze. Oh,
1: those are so good. But let's hook up Haju to the stereo and play some suggestions from our patrons
0: instead. Oh, Haju, you can do that? Oh, sounds good. Let's go!
1: Hey everybody, and welcome to the VGM Jukebox. I'm Josh.
0: And I'm Emily. Each week we play tunes recommended by you, our patrons, and we also read your testimonials.
1: Alright, jumping right in. Patron, Robot H. Wafflesauce. Game Kirby Air Ride. Track Meta Knight's Revenge 2 composers Shogo Sakai, Jun Ishikawa, Hirokazu Ando, Tadashi Ikigami. Did I do that run right? Ikigami? I don't know. On the GameCube. Here we go. Robot H. Wafflesaw says, I hate this game. Hate it, hate it, hate it. But the soundtrack! I mean, just take a look at those composers. You've got Hirokazu Ando, a Kirby OST legend. There's Shogo Sakai, veteran of Data East and composer of the Sublime Mother 3 soundtrack. Tadashi Ikigami, another Kirby music veteran. And lastly, Jun Ishikawa. He's responsible for composing one of my favorite soundtracks ever, Hyperzone on the SNES. I'm 99% convinced that this particular track is his work because so many of the instruments and melodies seem lifted directly from that game. It's fast and danceable and sounds like one of those tracks you hear when time is running out, making you freak out and inevitably throw the match because your nerves get the better of you. I love every second of it. I just wish it wasn't attached to one of the most annoyingly frustrating games Nintendo has ever released. Oh well, that's what VGM podcasts are for, right? That's right. I said that weird. That's what VGM podcasts are for, right? Keep up the great work. I've been listening for a long time, and every show is a treat. Aw, thanks, Mr. Wafflesauce.
0: Yeah, thanks, Robot. Um, I like how he said that's what video game music podcasts are for. Right? Right. Are- so, wait, what are they for?
1: They're for separating out the music so one can enjoy it without having to play a frustrating game. Interesting. Or without having perhaps the connotations of a frustrating game, because for instance, I've never played this game, so I don't have any feelings associated with the music, so I just get to enjoy it.
0: Yeah. yeah there's a lot to enjoy in a game that stinks, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, design, but especially music. This is a cool song, yeah
1: Oh, I agree, no, go ahead, finish your thought
0: I don't know how I'm going to listen to this song in my day-to-day life I think um, it requires such a, I don't know, like a hyperness to be able to get into sync with this song That um, I don't think I've done anything this fast in my life
1: Well, you're gonna, this is your two-minute beast mode right here This is the sprint at the end of your jog.
0: Man, this must be a crazy game. What are you going to do with this song, by the way?
1: What am I going to do to this song? Yeah. Typically what I do with songs like this is I start folding laundry and put it on, and then I dance around the laundry room instead of folding the laundry. That happens so often, I can't even tell you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But... (laughs) Two things I wanted to say about this. Number one, I agree with Mr. Waffle Sauce. I do think this is a Jun Ishikawa track. Jun Ishikawa did a lot of Kirby soundtracks, and this sounds just like them. It has that that Kirby ness to them that I can't really explain. That very kind of super hyper arpegi- arpeggio in the background is part of it, anyway. Yeah. I'm still waking up, so I'm a little bit lagged. I'll get there. Uh, but, okay, so the second thing I wanted to say... was this part about the nerves getting the better of you. When you freak out. During a game. Mm -hmm. Do you have any experiences with this?
0: Oh. Yeah, all the time, I mean... I'm not very good. My nerves are always getting the better of me. (laughs) And, like, if I get to a level that I've never been to, also I just tend to relax, like, oh, okay, I... I achieved some goal today. I'm sometimes not like, okay, it's time to beat the game or something like that. I'm just like, oh, right. I've never seen this background.
1: I get you. Yeah. You did your thing for the day and the rest is just tourism.
0: I guess in that case, it's a lack of nerves that are helping me out.
1: What oh, about, yeah, maybe.
0: Yeah, you know, well, but... What are you... Or holding me back, I said helping me out, but I mean holding me back. What about you?
1: Uh, I heard what you said the right way, even if you didn't say it right. (laughs) My brain flipped it.
0: Thank you. Um,
1: yes. Um, oh yeah, no. In stressful video game situations, I completely fall apart if the music changes. If the music changes is one thing, but also if people are watching, I really have a hard time playing well when people are watching. So Mm. that's, um, that's a problem that I have. I don't know if I told the story on the podcast before, but um, when I was a kid, I always wanted my mother to watch the endings with me. And not like I wanted my mom to watch them, but I wanted to share the experience of the ending of a game with her. But then you get into this problem of, well, when you beat the last boss, you don't necessarily know if you're gonna be able to pause the game. So if she's in another room, and you have to go get her, you might miss part of the ending. So, sometimes I would ask her to sit on the couch behind me while I played the final boss of a game, but I would ask her to cover her eyes, because I felt like if she watched I would get too nervous, and then I wouldn't be able to do it. That's funny. It's silly. I did ask her recently if she did cover her eyes, and she swears that she did. I thought maybe she would just watch, because how would I know? But (laughs) she says no. She really did cover her eyes.
0: For me, it, uh, I think it depends on the friend, but I had a lot of like competitive video game playing friends, so it was tough to uh, not lose my nerves when they were watching me also, mm-hmm. or get too nervous or whatever. And also they'd be like telling me what to do and I'm like, I'm trying to do what I think I should do and what you think I should do at the same time or something and then uh, I'll die.
1: And now I've died. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm a terrible backseat gamer, unfortunately. And I also, I get nervous when my husband watches me play video games too, and there's nothing more frustrating than totally killing it at a game, and then having, you know, your significant other come in and watch, and then you stink. And then you, I always say to him, like, You know I'm good at video games, right? You know I can do this, right? And he's like, Yes, I know you can. Mm. But I just get so, so upset about, you know, possibly, just always kind of, that he always watches the, the, the wrong moments not like he really cares but I care
0: I just want to say one more thing about ah. this group Shogo Sakai Junishikao Hidekazu Ando and Tadashi Ikigami. it's too bad this game didn't turn out good because with all four of them rec- making music for one game
2: oh, I yeah. want to listen
0: to this uh soundtrack do you think they got together they just like had dinner and they're like we're gonna do this game Right, guys? Uh, and then they're like, they just all go to their own little cubicles and start working alone.
2: I well, wonder if no, there's like a know. white it's... album
0: situation. Is just like, <laughs> yeah, Meta Knight's Revenge 2, the white album. I don't know. <laughs> well,
1: I would, I mean, that's kind of interesting. This, this came up on a, another podcast I was listening to recently. This idea that we, the listeners, want the composers to be friends. I feel like we really do want them to be close and to have hung out. There's something to that story that we just always want to ascribe that to them. I mean, it'd be reason. weird
0: if they didn't say anything about it to each other, you know? Right. Anyway, Let's just say yes. <laughs> yeah. They-
1: you know what? Maybe that's why the game was bad. Maybe the four of them got together and they were like, you know what? We're composing powerhouses and we know it. Let's make a killer soundtrack." And then the company was like, Well, I guess we gotta create a game! (laughs) And they just didn't really put any effort into it, and, you
0: know. Oh, you know what probably the problem was? They were all so excited. They were, like, staring over the game designer's shoulders like, Alright, man. Good job! And he just got really nervous.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or they were like, you know, Sakai was like, mm, I think you should do this for this level. <laughs> Ananda was like, well, I think that you should go over there. And Ikigami was like, what if we put this here? Yeah. And then it just became a mess because there were just too many too many composers in the, the kitchen.
0: Speaking of a long cast of composers, this next game's got a really long list, <laughs> uh, but we'll get into that. Um, this... Game is Tekken 6. The track is Mystical Forest. Uh thank you Latak, for recommending this track. And we'll get into the composers later. Oh, okay. Sound good? Oh, I could just Sounds do good. it now.
1: I kind of I've kind of been looking forward to this.
0: All right. Tekken 6 features a large cast of composers, including Ryo, Hamamoto, Ryuichi Takada, I actually can I say the the Japanese way where the last name comes first? I feel like yes, it'll please. sound better. Yes, go ahead. Including Hamamoto Ryo, Takada Ryuchi, Okabe Keichi, Nakamura Kazuhiro, Hosoe Shinji Yano Yoshito Saso Ayako Shinago Kosaki. Satoru, Toyama Akitaka, Sakimoto Hitoshi, Iwata Masaharu, Kudo Yoshimi, Kamikura Noriyuki, Chiba Azusa, Abe Kimihiro, Kaneda Mitsuhiro, Hoshi Keigo, Kobayashi Keiko, and Ishihama Kakeru. Take a listen.
1: That was beautiful.
0: Attack writes, Ahoy Ahoy, Emily and Josh. It seems that one of the selection buttons on the jukebox was stuck, but don't worry, I fixed it. Phew. Turned out, it's music from the fighting game genre. I feel fighting games are misunderstood when it comes to music. People say no one hears the music, because matches are over in seconds. I want to debunk those thoughts by saying that's a myth. Music is always noticeable during matches. Some players focus and strategy deals with the music played during a match. The only downside is that the music is drowned by noises like people cheering during tournaments or friends who are observing the people playing each other in a match while having a conversation. I think this track is really underrated when among fans who talk about music from the Tekken game series because Tekken has a huge variety of amazing songs to choose from and it's still going as a franchise. My favorite parts of this track is guitar that comes later in the part as it progresses making the already dreamy landscape feel complete in a way. I want to know how this track makes you feel. Love the show. Keep rocking, baby. Cheers. Hey, thank you, Latech. and uh, we yeah, will nice. keep rocking. And you keep doing the same. By the way, I forgot to mention one thing. Mm. This was released on the console, PlayStation 3, also Xbox 360, in the arcade, and for the PlayStation personal. Personal PlayStation.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, who was the composer again? I forgot.
0: Um, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I'm this kidding. One... I'm kidding. Yeah.
1: That was just so well done. How does this track make me feel? This makes me feel like not a fighting game. Yeah. I have not played the Tekken games and I really actually want to very much. I'm very intrigued by the physics that goes into those games.
0: I like when fighting games have like really smooth music. It's yeah. It's almost like it's a conveying a serene sense of zen that the fighter needs to get into.
1: Oh, I like that. Something
0: like that. Like yeah, we just fighting. I feel no pain.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm in my zone. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna call, la Latak. I'm gonna pronounce it the Tatsu way, from the Le-tac. Ninja Turtles. Attack.
2: Oh yeah. Um,
1: uh mentions again people watching people. Oh. So we have you know a fighting game situation here where one may not be listening to the music because one is so nervous. That all of one's friends are crowding around and cheering and so forth. I don't know if anybody in that situation is actually made nervous by their friends watching. I feel like people actually rally from that kind of atmosphere, right? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes?
0: You gotta be in the... I think anybody... It can happen to anybody, uh, depending on the the, uh, circumstances, depending on the friendships and also depending on how hyped up they are. I actually think that even like a nervous person who usually gets a little uh, weirded out by having attention on them, if they're like, if it's like the last level and they're like really in the zone, I do think they can probably channel the energy and spirit of a crowd.
1: Right, yes.
0: You know what I really love about this song is the... I think they're xylophones?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, like the marimba or something. I think that's a marimba, because it sounds like wood.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, that's really nice back there.
0: I like it. So- um, it sounds a little video gamey in a in a way, because it has that really uh, quick attack and quick decay, kind of like a lot of computer sounds do have, mm-hmm. or like synthesized yep. sounds have. Um, and it's weird that it's probably, like, an African sound, but I'm associating it with, like, kung fu movies for some reason. Huh. Does that make sense? I don't... I don't
1: know. I haven't seen many kung fu movies. I'm not getting a... It's maybe, like, uh, a
0: Caribbean sound.
2: Swar...
1: I get you. No, I get it, but my association is probably weird. My association is, like nature CDs, or, um, mm. new age CDs. I'm mm. just seeing a lot of water. This is a water track. That's all I'm getting. Cold water.
0: Yeah, and, uh, blood. <laughs> and, and blood. Like a beach, <laughs> a beach ball, and just your own blood coming out of your nose. Yep. yeah
1: I did want to say that, uh, you know, let's talk. Says that uh, people can't hear the music in fighting games, and perhaps in Tekken you do, because in Tekken, I mean, it matches aren't over that quickly. I don't think, right? The physics are all kind of—it's um, not—it's not fantasy physics. Well, I mean, it sort of is because you can air juggle people, but it's—I uh, it's just feel like those matches take physics. air air juggling. Yeah. I mean, maybe. It's just they don't, it's it's different than Street Fighter, right? It's not as um, exaggerated, right? People are, they don't move. What am I trying to say, Josh? Help me out here.
0: Um, I think you're trying to say that they don't defy gravity under a mystical force of, of their own power, but they do defy gravity actually, because I think they still jump off their own jumps. <laughs> okay. And air juggling, that is the definition of defying gravity. It like is, if it I is. keep jabbing you, you're never going right. to fall
1: down. Right. No, it's true. But uh, maybe Tekken matches last uh, a lot longer. I just feel like everything is slower in Tekken and not as, I mean, you're not jumping all over the screen. You're not doing any, any Vega style type action. You feel more connected to the ground. I don't know what I'm talking about, because I've not played Tekken, but from the brief brief footage I've seen of competitive Tekken, that's what it SEEMS like. But I'm gonna stop talking, because, you know, my ignorance is showing. But I like this track. Yeah. I'm so sorry, I really need to wake up.
0: No, you're doing a great job... (laughs) ...of liking tracks. I'm so tired. Your only job, Emily, is to like tracks To turn Uh off your um, speech filter and Uh just enjoy.
1: Okay. All right. right. Shall we enjoy the next track then? Why not? Okay. Our next track is... Oh, yeah. I forgot about this. Um, I couldn't confirm the composers on this one. Well, it's sort of in the description. You'll see. Patron Marsh has recommended the main theme from a PC game called Barkley, Shut Up and Jam, Gaiden. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, and that'll, you know, there'll be more of an explanation in the testimonial itself. So first, the music.
2: Everybody get up, it's time to slam now. We got the real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. Space jam. Get your chance, do your dance at the Space Jam.
1: Marsh says, This unusual mashup combines the 90s song Space Jam by the Quad City GJs and a chiptune called Funky Stars by Quasar. It comes from a fan-made RPG called Barkley Shut Up and Jam Gaiden. The game is a bizarre but hilarious parody of SNES JRPG cliches and is written as a hypothetical sequel to the movie Space Jam. The game is absolutely ridiculous. Imagining an apocalyptic future where the world is nearly destroyed by a super powerful slam dunk. Starring Charles Barkley, you have to survive in a world where basketball is outlawed. Funny game. Great song.
0: Oh, I think I heard I th- I heard of this game. So, yeah. It's um not an official release, huh?
1: Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Cool.
0: So Charles Barkley must be trying to sue these people right now.
1: (laughs) This was amazing to listen to because I do not know. Well, no. All right, let me say this. This song brought me back to a very specific point in my life in -hmm. middle school when I was listening to the Jock Jam CDs. Did you ever listen to any of these? I didn't. Oh, man. So I don't know if that's embarrassing or not. But I loved them because they were just super mashups of a lot of songs, and I just thought that was really cool. I really liked, uh, you know, we didn't have the word mashup back then, I don't think, but, um, but I loved that. And, uh, man, I didn't realize how strong my associations were with this song. But this mashup completely changes the feeling of the song, which I thought was amazing. It feels completely different to me.
0: It is, uh, yeah, it takes me back to a time in my life also, one which I have almost no nostalgia for. Mm. I kind of feel like I'm at all the places I wished I wasn't at in junior high or something like that. Uh, uh uh-huh. But at the same time, it is, I'm growing a little fondness for it because uh, the 90s were cool, you know? Um, and I actually do kind of like, uh dancing to this song
1: you were enjoying dancing
0: yeah it's a cool it's a cool idea to mash up like yell you know like the very um ridiculous tones of some of people yelling about jamming to like a very computerized song i guess but it kind of makes yeah. sense i don't know it's cool also th- um there's like a key change in this song
1: it's still different actually. Josh and I were trying to figure out where the loop was exactly and this may be a track that just ends outright because that was still new. Yeah. I bet it does.
0: I don't know. Yeah. It sounds like it we're just went find back out in to a the second. original. To the original key.
1: Yeah, it's fading out.
2: There's
0: something
1: I was going to something else I was going to say about this. <sighs> I think I'm just going to add Gaiden to the end of a lot of things now, because I think that's hilarious. (laughs) Barkley, shut up and jam Gaiden. Oh, you know what? I wanted to bring up this concept in the game of basketball being outlawed. There are... So, this may kind of lead into a larger discussion of video game culture, but I feel like there are a lot of games that have the premise of you know, fun being outlawed, or music being outlawed, or basketball being outlawed. Obviously, this is a send-up, so th- this is probably keying into that idea. But also, um, I was watching some video game commercials on YouTube recently because I was just interested to compare kind of the demographics and the the uh, point of view of Atari commercials versus Nintendo Entertainment System commercials versus <laughs> Sega Genesis commercials. Uh-huh. And there was a, um, a Game Gear commercial that was hilarious to me that obviously took place in a post-apocalyptic future where young teenage men were rounded up by, uh, overlords who would force them to get in line with a ticket and then get a Game Boy, and they were forced to play video games without color! And that was their punishment. And they lived in this dreary world playing Game Boys until, like, that one cool rebel guy showed up and brought a Game Gear, and now you can play in color! And uh, I thought that that was just really interesting, that kind of, um, that written-in narrative of, you know, uh, oppression from parents or authority or something through a video game lens. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think that's hilarious and I think that's very funny and also it's interesting to me because that is the way that uh, entertainment product can get sold to you. It's like the more high definition your entertainment is, the more free you are or the more you're experiencing something when actually it's the opposite if you think about it. Like the more captive you are to your entertainment product the less you're actually doing or thinking on your own
1: yeah that's interesting
0: so that idea is funny to me
1: that's a really funny commercial i'll find it for you so you can watch it because i don't remember it i, I don't love remember old video most game of commercials.
0: commercials so much we should uh, listen to, to more
1: <laughs> to more music or to more video game commercials?
0: More video game commercials. Can right. we do an episode where it's like video game commercial music?
1: We can try. I don't know what kind of music they used in the commercial itself. I would love to talk about the commercials, though, because that is a a uh, a minefield of interesting cultural... Uh, Yeah. Give me a word. Give me a word. Uh, Put a word in there. Finish that sentence.
0: Cultural um, reflection? Refraction?
1: I don't know. That's good. I like it. Okay, let's... (laughs) This is your job for the episode, apparently, is to finish my sentences. Um, You're my, like, on-call vocabulary man.
0: Sure. Well, let's, let's put a call out, unless I edit it out later, for unknown reasons. If you liked a video game commercial, Oh, good idea. Yeah, from the past, and you have memories of watching it, or memories of how a video game system commercial inspired you to get the game. Include that in the testimonial, and just uh, give us the YouTube clip where we can find uh, the commercial you're talking about. We'll play the audio. Get sued by Nintendo. <laughs> we'll absorb the litigation. With, We're gonna do it with for our vast you, empire. Patrons. Yeah, and. Um, Especially if it has music, that's good. But even if it just has, like, talking and some background music or something, that would be cool, too. I
1: would love to do that episode if we just played the whole audio from the commercial and talked about all of it. Yeah. So patron-recommended video game commercials. Yeah. This is the new evolution of VGM JB. (laughs) Oh, it'll be a
0: special episode. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, for this next track. We'll listen to a song from a game called Freedom Planet. This track is called Relic Maze 2. Mike from TWA, Teenagers with Attitude, recommended this song. It was composed by Layla Wilson, Stephen Diderot. Oh, it's like du- Doug Trio or Do- something. Do Duo? Oh, yeah. I thought Do Duo. Do Duo, yeah. Stephen Do Duo. And Shane Ellis. It was released for the PC and the Wii U. Let's take a listen. Freedom Planet is an indie game that came out a couple years back and sets out to basically do for the Sega Genesis what Shovel Knight did for the NES. Think classic Sonic by way of Gunstar Heroes, more importantly as a fantastic soundtrack. The point where I first realized that I was in for something special was when I reached the second half of the game's second stage. At this point in the game, a mid-boss has just been defeated and the music has simply stopped for a moment. All the player hears are the mechanical cranks of an elevator taking them down a mineshaft until the plain dirt gives way to a crystal cave and this theme kicks in. I hope you all like it and maybe you want to give the rest of the game's music a listen. Thanks. Thank you, Mike. This is a beautiful song.
1: Good track, yeah. There's something about that guitar that's very, um, does something to me. It pulls on my heartstrings.
0: It kind of reminds me a little bit of some of the vibe from the previous song. Um, some of it has this kind of raise the roof sound to it, but a much softer tonality to it. But it's it's got like...
1: uh, the marimba in the background again.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh th- Wait. So there's a little oh, bit yeah. of
1: second in there, too. Can you hear it?
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Teenagers with Attitude has served as a a sort of linchpin to an entire podcast network uh, which Mike helped build starting with Teenagers with Attitude they're called Audio Entropy and Mm -hmm. they've got some pretty cool podcasts on there if you haven't checked that, uh... just with attitude. Yeah. What?
1: Oh no! Go ahead. You didn't finish your sentence. Um,
0: check that out. I think you and I are going to be a guest on a show coming up soon. A guest. We are. Yeah. Very exciting. Probably in like a month. It'll come out. Maybe. We'll more. put
1: like a little. Uh, <laughs> we should put an advertisement up on the uh, bulletin board at the end of our own podcast. Oh yeah. So it'll like fade out, and then we'll come back it and be like, "Hi, hey, everybody. I'm Emily, and I'm Josh." And blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. This, I think, um, Mike might. We usually hear Mike's voice, but I mm-hmm. believe that this uh, submission came from a time before we had even come up with the idea of audio testimonials, and that's why it's written. Oh. So uh, patrons might not know this. I mean, patrons who submit their own songs obviously figure this out. But when we pick tracks for our episodes, um, you know, we don't necessarily pull. Uh, more from the more current submissions than from the past submissions. We have this gigantic list um, of of back backtracks to play. Oh, hold on!
0: Gigantic.
1: It's pretty big. I would say gigantic. Over a hundred is gigantic,
0: right? Um, unless you're talking about pennies, then it's just a dollar. <laughs> That's
1: funny. One I is... had a friend in high school once who said uh, his teacher disputed him on something, and his response was, "Oh yeah, do you want to put money on that? Two hundred cents." That's funny.
0: No, that that's true though. So, patron, if you've submitted a track a long time ago, we'll eventually get it, right? We'll eventually do it. Oh, we yeah. haven't forgotten that it exists um the unique algorithmic system that we use to determine our track listings will eventually come back ar- around to you right emily
1: yes that's correct
0: yeah. and keep recommending new tracks don't listen to emily we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here we need new more <laughs> we're running tracks. out yeah. please donate
1: today <laughs> We have a special need for Sega Master System blood type donations and uh, TurboGrafx-16 blood donations. Um, You know, we have a lot of PlayStation 2 blood donations. We're not so much in need of those, but, um, you know, if you've got more, uh, you know, chips in your blood, we need some of that. Oh,
0: I like this. What if we did a commercial and it was like, all around the world, people are in need. Of video game music but they don't know how to download the whatever app I don't know uh, mp3s well, gonna, are scarcely available yeah
1: sure you can get you know mp3s on YouTube but the quality is terrible yeah or can be terrible barely nourishing
0: starving right, ears exactly.
1: <laughs> right you don't know where they're getting that music from you get it from us. We carefully vet our chiptunes, make sure they are of the highest quality, and bit rates. Yeah. If we did make this commercial, obviously it would have to be in black and white and there would have to be stills that pan slowly. Black and white?
0: That's a weird idea. Yeah.
1: I don't know, That's what I just see. You know, people... I see a Sega Genesis in black and white being like, people are in need. Slow pan.
0: Yeah. And it's just, like, pictures of ears, and they're, like, completely dilapidated. They're, like, so thin that they're just falling off of people's faces.
1: Well, that's kind of gross. But we could make that commercial. Yeah. We could make the... uh, See, I was was going for, like, the soft commercial, you know, when you see those sort of soft ones that are appealing to your heart, and it's... For, you know, donating to people who are in need, but they don't actually show you anything disturbing. It's like, here's a beautiful child or something like that. You were going for the commercials that are trying to get kids from, what am I trying to say? To get kids to not smoke.
0: I was like, here's what your lungs will look like. (laughs) No, I was thinking of starving children, but it's ears that are starving instead of children. I see. Yeah.
1: When you said falling off the, the face or the head, I was thinking like... Oh, yeah. Zombie-like, you know? Yeah, I can see that. Please donate so that Raccoon City does not turn into a city of zombies. That's how you fix the T-virus. That's the vaccine. Yeah. Video game music, clearly.
0: Avoid the apocalypse by donating your track submission today. Or... A video game music, com- a video game commercial that you used to watch as a child. Spe- exactly. Speaking of apocalyptic futures, yes, my favorite kind of future. Um, I've been listening to one of the podcasts on um, Audio Entropy, and it's called "Let Me Tell You About Evangelion." Uh huh. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And it's about the TV show Evangelion, and you know, it does exist in an apocalyptic future, but I just didn't realize until right now that Charles Barkley's slam dunk is what shrunk the <laughs> shrunk the angel down to an embryo, causing an explosion that melted all the ice in Antarctica. I didn't realize that, so... Well... You know, I should write back. I should write in and let them know. I figured it out.
1: I'm glad that you finally caught up with the rest of us.
0: Yeah. 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 Wait, is Charles Barkley an angel?
1: Hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's the question.
0: Oh, gotta be some lasting mystery on that show.
1: Yeah. Maybe we'll find out at the end, or maybe it just won't really have a conclusive ending. Who knows?
0: Here's a one more question. Do you okay. think? Uh, Shinji does better when people are watching him do his robot fights, or do you think it makes him nervous?
1: Makes him nervous. Mm. For sure.
0: But he's the champ. He's like the best robot fighter. He doesn't feel like a champ.
1: He doesn't feel like a champ. Yeah. That's like the whole crux of the series, isn't it? Is his internal struggle of
0: self-worth. But it seems like champs never feel like champs. Like Michael Jordan's crying all the time. (laughs) Yep. Uh Kobe Bryant's got a lot on his mind, you know. Anyways. Are you frozen? No, you're there. No, I'm still here.
1: (laughs) I'm just I'm just not keeping up. I was thinking, I had an image in my mind just at that moment of of Sonic, like, staring at the ocean with a sunset, having freed all of these animals, but having no friends himself. (laughs) You know? Champs. Not feeling like champs.
0: Yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog's always bummed out when you beat the game. He's either like, oh man, I missed one Chaos Emerald, crosses his arms. Oh yeah! Like, dang. And then when you do get all the chaos emeralds and he like jumps at the screen if you look <laughs> really closely at his expression <laughs> just look at the past the sparkle in his eyes he's thinking i could have gone faster
1: <laughs> that's funny i thought you were going somewhere else like instead of a, a jump for joy it's a jump of like i need to end this he's oh,
2: done
0: whoa that's <laughs> That is the best. Uh, But as we know, Sonic the Hedgehog doesn't take damage from falling. He can, you know. No, it's true.
1: Oh, no. Well, here's... Sometimes he does. Okay, one more
0: question. Okay, yeah.
1: My question is, so you're Sonic the Hedgehog and you're the champ. You have now saved the world. What do champs do when they have, you know, champed the most they can champ?
0: What is there left to do? Yeah, there's no... There's nothing they can do afterwards to, like, match that level of excitement they have, so they might relive, try to relive that experience through memories, um... Or video
1: games. So Sonic goes home, Sonic has an adventure, uh goes home, waits for that adventure to be made into a video game, and then replays it. Yeah. That's how he spends his time.
0: Exactly. And that's what Kobe Bryant's doing right now. He's just playing NBA 20K11 or whatever right 2k11 i don't really know if the lakers won in 2011.
1: i don't know anything about basketball but i did know we were talking about basketball that's very exciting congratulate me everyone
0: congratulations
1: thank you congratulations okay all right speaking of congratulations Let's congratulate Super Kicks all day long for recommending another track.
0: For the game. rising above the massive numbers of recommendations that we get.
1: Yes. His rec yes. floated
0: to the top of the pile.
1: The game is Hyouden, Legend of the Scarlet King. The track is Misty Silence, and the composers are Sakuraba Matoi, Tamura Shinji, Furuya Ryota, and Hatsushiba. Hiroya for the Super Famicom. Super Kicks All Day Long says, One of the more unnerving songs I've heard from a video game. Then again, it's a game about a king who's granted the power to summon demons. The build-up to the final little electric piano solo is great.
0: Oh, yeah. Super Kicks All Day Long likes that tension, you know? He sits around thinking, How could I stress myself out just a little bit more? (laughs) <laughs> than I normally am.
1: Yeah, he's like, I need people to watch me play this game so I can be even more anxious. Yeah. This is a creepy one. This is
0: Halloween all over. Yeah, it's it's nice. Well, Halloween's coming up, so. It is coming up. You can play this in your house as you uh, answer the door for a little Spider Man. Batman <laughs> S- Superman
1: I love saying where it's like that did you get that from Homestar Runner
0: I don't I mean wasn't Homestar-I did Star, they get it from somewhere else wasn't Homestar Runner just kind of like calcifying all the dumbest jokes you ever said you know what I mean or like the goofiest ideas you ever had you and your college roommates I think you know it was a it was definitely a a cultural monument that definitely added to our culture but also you know just kind of um it spoke up for all those nerdy it, it was like the voice of all the nerdy jokes you've ever had
1: patrons if you don't know what homestar runner is
0: what are you I feel crazy
1: hold here's the thing i know homestar runner was an internet cartoon that was incredibly popular but it seems to have been incredibly popular for a very specific age age range if you ask people who are between like 30 and 36 about it they know what it is intensely mm-hmm. and they've watched all of it but even you know some friends i have that are kind of towards the upper end of that age group didn't really watch it but like all of my friends did we were obsessed it was a huge phenomenon um so that was actually one of the ways to find friends in college was to find the person wearing um a duck shirt and go up to them and be like hey duck shirt and then all of a sudden you're friends did you um
0: did you have a homestar runner shirt i had a duck shirt um
1: and i and i also have a limousine shirt oh nice but it's like extra extra large so it's it's a pajama shirt
0: cool cool
1: but uh but yeah Homestar Runner that's where I got that from cuz they would say Santaman
0: Oh little yeah Santaman. little Sant I mean that one's original that's a good one
1: Right right but that convention that was the first time I'd heard of that that convention I think
0: it probably wasn't you probably just liked it the most
1: Maybe yeah. well here's the thing so I don't know if this is a question for the patrons but There are so many things that have, like, eeked into my vocabulary over time, and I've forgotten where they came from, or that they even came from a specific source. And sometimes I'll come across them again and just be blown away. And, uh, Homestar Runner... So, there's so many things I say in my daily life that come from Homestar Runner, but I don't know if I could list any for you. They just sort of happen naturally, and then I, you know... Mm. But, um... But also video games, I learned a lot of... Speaking of vocabulary, this is like the vocabulary episode. Um... I learned a lot of vocab words from video games. I don't know if other people have had that experience. But words like denizens definitely got that from Echo the Dolphin. I thought that was a great word. I can't think of others, but there are a lot that I got from reading manuals or the backs of video game boxes.
0: Oh, yeah. What does denizens mean?
1: Denizens is like inhabitants. So it means they use it when they talk about things living under the sea, like the denizens of the deep. It's just a creepier way of saying The creatures that live
0: there Cool
1: It's a very good sounding word Denizens
0: Denizens
1: Yes But um Yeah so patrons If you have any cool vocabulary from video games let us know
0: I didn't get to tell you what Homestar Runner shirt I have
1: Oh yeah I'm sorry Josh did you have a Homestar Runner shirt?
0: Yeah it was uh, the pistols for Pandas one (laughs) <laughs> it's funny. But that was actually after kind of their... That was the later, The college yeah. days, yeah. That was when I was like, you know, five years removed from college, I think. When right. That one came out. So I stuck with them through the end.
1: I think for you and for other Homestar fans, if you're not aware, they have reprinted almost all of their t-shirts So if there's one that you want again, you know, I've considered getting a limousine shirt that's not extra extra large or whatever it is, because that shirt is like pretty much it's like on its last legs. That Mm. silkscreen stuff has really kind of rubbed off because I've just had it for so long. That's about where my thought train ends.
0: And where mine... Begins. Sorry, what oh, were you saying? yeah, say? yeah. No, 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 it's
1: not interesting. I'll save it for another day.
0: Oh. How about save it for another track?
1: Okay, we'll S- save it for another track.
0: Specifically, this next track. This is in tribute um, to Arnold Palmer. It's from the game Arnold Palmer Golf. This is BGM four, composed by Tokuhiko Uwabo. It's a sound poem for the Sega Genesis. So let's take a listen. feel like this song is so sweet. Who knew Tokuhiko Uwabo had it in him to write something so original and so unique? I like how he doesn't use drums. He doesn't use drums very much on the entire soundtrack, but especially this track, it really brings out that uh, sense of calm, you know, that just like what um, he's just thinking to himself. What can I do to make the Sega Genesis sound like a single flower blooming? You know, I don't know. It's just very cute.
1: Yeah, this fits fits our cruise in this car.
0: Yeah. I don't
1: think we're concerned about a time limit, though. I think we're just in free drive.
0: Do you think Arnold Palmer ever... um, Ever like heard this song?
1: I don't know. You know, I wonder. I wonder if uh, you know games that have licensed personalities to them actually play their games. I know that. Um,
0: They're like way too. Mike Tyson
1: cool. plays Punch Out, right? Oh
0: right, he had some trouble beating his own game or something. Right, right. Yeah. So
1: that's a famous example, but
0: yeah, but I'm yeah, sure. I have he... no idea. I'm sure he like had the game, you know. But I have a bit people gave him the game. It's probably like, oh, another one of
1: these? I don't know. Why do they think I don't have this already? Yeah.
0: I don't know if he ever hooked up a Sega Genesis. I don't know if he ever put this game into the slot, hit that on button, realized he got the wires crossed, looked behind his TV, pulled him out, checked the colors, put him back in again.
1: That's an experience we all have had. Oh, this is the yellow one. I thought it was white. The lighting in this
2: room.
0: But I like the idea that before he got the yellow one right, he just got the red and the white ones in, and he heard this song, and he's like, what is this? This is I the like game, this. right? It's yeah. Just listening to the music. Is That's the, the point game? of this game.
1: Yeah. No, then he called you at your previous job and was like, Josh Adachi, I can't get my TV to display properly. What am I doing wrong? And you were like, <laughs> press up three times. Press A. Press left. Oh, no, you're just missing the <laughs> yellow one.
0: Yeah. If um, somebody wrote this song and my name was attached to it, I would say play it at my funeral. Oh. Yeah. What?
1: Then we could never listen to it again.
0: I'm calling it, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to have your Arnold Palmer moment, mix up some lemonade, some iced tea, and fire up that Sega Genesis. Keep the yellow cord unplugged. Now, actually, you won't hear this song though. But uh, this song is very sentimental. I think it is. Uh, I
1: promise you patrons, Josh is convinced that he will outlive me. But, Josh, I promise you Mm -hmm. that if you don't, (laughs) and you die first, I will visit your grave. I will play this song and I'll drink a glass of lemonade. Or I'll pour out the glass of lemonade for you. It's your choice. That would
0: be interesting. So you're saying that by celebrating Arnold Palmer and his life, you'll be celebrating me? Yeah. I like that
1: it just seems fitting yeah i definitely i pour out pour out the lemonade for you for my homie yeah i'll fly to california just for that purpose to sit <laughs>
0: on your grave and listen to this song and also could you like uh practice driving off of my grave driving off of your grave yeah by driving i mean like driving golf
1: oh yes Yeah. okay so now what i'm seeing you know how we had i forget what episode it was um i think it was that thing that goes doink but i forget the number i think that was 38 because we just said it on another recording um remember we had that whole idea of a of an ending of a video game where it was just still shots of you waking up sliding the sliding door in your traditional house yeah. your mech in your garden all of that so now what i'm seeing <laughs> is stills of like a plane and then me sitting on your grave and then a glass of lemonade and then driving golf balls into like the sunset over the ocean
0: the end Ah. Uh-huh. yep i don't the airplane was just a pillow shot right A what shot? It's just like a a pillow shot. It's just there to set the scene.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
0: like, it's a weird reminder of civilization and looking at the sky when you're at a cemetery. Yeah, maybe it should be birds. No, 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 I like the plane. Okay, this is what it is. Yeah. Okay, palm tree. Airplane. (laughs) Yep glass of lemonade mixed with iced tea sitting on a tombstone <laughs> <laughs> golf ball on tea <laughs> and then all of a sudden it pulls out and there you are thwack you hit but it then the I distance. feel like the
1: shot that shot of me driving it is from the back so you see like my silhouette against the sun Yeah. but then there has to be and a the- shot like a really well rendered anime shot of my face And like a tear, a single tear.
0: Oh, and then the screen splits. Yeah. The the sun will be uh setting and it will be bigger than you. So you can see your silhouette inside the sun. Exactly. And then as you're watching the ball, the screen will split and it'll just be you and your silhouette on one side. And the sun as a reflection in your eye on the other side and a single tear. Yep. Oh, and you can even see the sun in your tear if you look really closely.
1: That's a really detailed uh, 16-bit shot
0: there. Yeah, well, we're really good at making uh, 16-bit cutscenes, so...
1: Yeah, video game endings.
0: We should be doing that. <laughs> what, just <laughs> making cutscenes? Yeah, no, we'll, no, just ending scenes. Pixel art? Yeah, we'll make a resume... It'll be like Josh and Emily, and it'll just say, um, you know, objective to uh, direct video game endings, and we'll just apply it to Capcom, Konami, Sega. I would love that.
1: That's making me think of, this is a really random thought, but you know how you go to carnivals or theme parks and there's someone who'll do like a caricature of you? Uh Uh-huh. How cool would that be if you could go to a booth and be like, design me a 16-bit uh, cutscene ending, and then a the person just like makes oh, it and yeah. puts you in it somehow?
0: Yeah. I even just like the idea of design a, a pixelated version of me, too. Yeah. 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 And then, We you should know, make I'll, these. Yeah. Just make me crying by the sunset, and there's your video game ending.
1: <laughs> You're dead. <laughs> You can't be crying in that one. Oh, not me! But you're cry- yeah. Oh, but you're crying by your mech. Didn't we have you shed a single tear in the ending? What is with if that's true? What's with us in endings with single tears being shed?
0: I don't know, Emily. But all I do know is just bury me by my mech. <laughs> yeah, I will. Not- <laughs> I will. I will. Speaking of being buried alive, no. Being buried at all, I guess. This next track that I'm going to choose is called Oh,
1: what's that, Haju? It's called uh, Track 1 from Moomin's Tale. Cool! Haju read your mind.
0: Oh, bother.
1: (laughs) Yes, so this is uh, from a game called Moomin's Tale for the Game Boy Color Track 1 and the composer is Saito Junich track Mm. I like that kind of TikTok quality to it so I had information on this let me get it because Moomin do you have anything that you'd like to say about this Josh before I move on
0: I do think it's a good composition it's a great number and I also think it's the kind of thing that only Haji would choose because I don't yeah yeah like, patrons, they're, like, cool, you know? And this song is kind of not cool. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, Haju definitely kind of has, like, a, a... a quality that I can't quite put my finger on.
0: Well, I don't know about that. Sometimes I think Haju just chooses straight-up jams that I well, would have, I would have chosen if I came across them. And then once in a while, it's just like... I think you're the only one, Haju, who remembers this song.
1: Well, Moomin. Not that
0: it's bad, it's just diff.
1: So remember how we were talking in um, EF Ratio about whether anime has to be kind of, um, you know, Japanese in spirit to be considered anime and what happens when you have people from... You know, the United States creating media that's... You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That whole mishmash? Yeah. So, Moomin is a Japanese-European anime television series. I'm reading Wikipedia. Um, Produced by Telecable Benelux. Um, It's based on the Moomin novels. That's M-O-O-M-I-N, if anyone's curious. Um, And comic strips by the Finnish illustrator and author Tove Johnson and his brother Lars Johnson. Um, and apparently Moomin is a, is kind of a big deal in other countries. Moomin first aired on TV Tokyo from April 12, 1990 to October 3rd, 1991. The series has also been dubbed in English, um, and aired in the United Kingdom. But, um, yeah, and games were made about it. They're also very cute. Oh, if you look up pictures of them, they're very adorable.
0: You know what, though? Um... Last time I came up with this idea of the EF ratio, like how big uh, something's face is, is how Japanese, or how big someone's eye... How much of their face is their eye. Yeah. Like, that's what makes something Japanese. Uh, But I was wrong about that. I was watching anime the other day, and the reason I was wrong is because, you know, Japanese people drew um, a lot of American... Ideas and they kind of drew the eyes a little big, but it Mm -hmm. wasn't, they did it without any uh, cultural meaning behind it. They just like this is what eyes look like. But I do know the real difference between anime and um, media produced by Japanese people that's not anime,
2: and that is
0: by the way, speaking of Moomin, I am getting. Uh, well, actually, I would say, <laughs> alright, I'm gonna... You
1: just, Josh just said, and that is, and he wound up with his finger in the air like he was gonna point out, and then he said, oh, and you know what, and just completely
0: yeah, dropped so... that, okay, all Well, right. I'm gonna bring it all back. Okay. In anime, mm-hmm. they're always trying to make you have a crush on somebody. Uh-huh. That's it. That's how you know you're watching anime. They're, like, trying to make you have a crush on one of the characters.
1: I don't know if this theory is airtight. Would you like to continue? Um, like, it's a, a point? So you mean it's um, from the writer's point of view that they are really trying to push a particular character on you?
0: They're trying to make the viewer, like, fall for a character. Like, well, like, want to be with a character or something. Huh.
1: Um, I think that's uh, kind of the essence of Moe.
0: Or part of it. Anyway. Moe is just like unabashedly anime or something. And I was thinking, like, you know, it's tough with Dr- Dragon Ball. I think Dragon Ball has like a Western quality to it, even though it's very bizarre. But, you know, it. Um, Who are you supposed to be crushing on in Dragon Ball? I think you're supposed to be crushing on Piccolo. Really? Yeah. Because he's so moody and, like, mysterious, and you're just like, I want to hang out with that guy, you know? And you can He's also kind of pathetic because he can't beat Goku, you know?
1: So not necessarily aimed at a particular demographic of audience, just everyone should be having a crush on Piccolo?
0: I don't know. As a girl... As a... Woman, who would you have a crush on in Dragon Ball, or would you say nobody? Oh, I'll say I don't, this. I
1: don't know Dragon Ball enough. Piccolo
0: and Trunks. You're supposed to have crushes on them.
1: I know the name Trunks, but I forget who Trunks
0: is. Trunks had purple hair. It was like parted in the middle. He wore a cute little jacket and a giant. He had a giant sword.
1: I don't know if I remember. I might not have actually been watching anything with a minute, but I know the name. Well, I think it's it's t- funny that you—it's funny that you say this though. Can I kind of go off on a tangent for a second? It's related though. Okay. So I know that in the Mass Effect games, in Mass Effect 2, there's a particular character that was designed to be—they thought the most appealing character to women players that could ever possibly be. Oh yeah. And he's also green. I just think that that's interesting. But um, huh. but I think about that sometimes about what the. What the what they what data they took in and distilled down into what they thought was the most like you know potent lady crush character they could possibly craft.
0: Yeah, that's funny. Well, they're the masters over there in Japan. But if you think about some of the stuff that they produced for the U.S., like take Inspector Gadget. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to have a crush on Inspector Gadget or Penny or something like that um, or the dog. But then if you watch the title sequence just once in a while like it's kind of crushable. <laughs> Inspector Gadget. Because they like let their- they were doing good animation you know in the, Yeah in the yeah intro. yeah. Same with like um- He's cute. Same with like Dennis the Menace. I'm pretty sure that was animated in Japan. And you're not supposed to have a crush on Dennis the Menace or his dad or Mr. Wilson but you watch that intro and once in a while, kind of crush on him. <laughs> Just on a couple frames, you know?
1: That's so funny. In Inspector Gadget, I had a crush on Penny's book. Oh my god, I wanted that book so much. Yeah, that's a good book. I wanted that book to be real. I wanted to be Penny. She was such a great character. Patrons, if you don't know, if there's anyone out there who's never seen Inspector Gadget or is not aware... Penny, and apparently her last name is not Gadget. I didn't know that. I was looking this up recently. Um, well, she's just a regular. She had a, she's a, a niece, but I don't think oh, they okay. give her a, a last name. Um, but she had a book that she opened up, and it was like, you know, um, you know, a Star Trek panel of technology where she could basically do anything. She could disarm missiles, missiles with it. She could hack into, you know, mm. national security with it. Oh, man, it looked so awesome.
0: It was weird because it was just like a series of colored lights, right? Or like a bunch of boxes with lights on them.
1: It's true. But we believed in it. See, this is actually, I think, something... All right, here's the thing I think about sometimes. I think about how back before we had more modern technology, I mean, even just like 10 years ago, technology, you could have things like... And I know Inspector Gadget predates that. That was, what, 70s or 80s? That's old. Inspector Gadget's old. The cartoon. Yeah. Um, but you could believe in that technology because nothing like it existed. It was basically just magic, but with buttons. Mm-hmm. And now that we have technology that can do those things, it's not as... I don't think it's as easy to believe in. And yet, I still watch movies where the technology is so unbelievable that I can't even believe that that they're still trying to sell it to you that way in a movie. Mm. Like you, you know, someone's trying to hack into something and there is literally a status bar that says hacking 10%, 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. (laughs) Like, you know, I can't believe that that still happens in movies, but I guess, you know, to me, that's just like, we should be coming up with something else. I don't feel like that fits with uh, the time, the modern time today. I think about this a lot though, because when I was a kid, I was convinced that I wanted a headset grafted to my head like a headphone set with a microphone on it. I thought that would be the coolest thing to be a cyborg with that actually in my head. Um, You know, and then Bluetooth technology came out and you can have a little earpiece in your ear and be that character. But, you know, I was never interested in that stuff. And I think that the the reason is that when you're watching the fantasy of that on TV, having a headset grafted to your head means that you're going to be getting important information through it. It's not just the having of it. It's it makes you uh, it situates you within some kind of compelling story. But if you just had that on your head and you used it for everyday stuff, it's not as cool. Did that make any sense?
0: I guess, but you might be wrong.
1: I might be wrong. I just think about how cool I thought the turtle comms were when I was a kid and then cell phones came out and I was kind of like, oh, it's a phone. Wait, and it didn't have the same... I guess you're
0: right. And just in you know terms I mean? of, like, will the cool factor or the novelty wear off? I, I mean, of course the novelty's going to wear off. Right. But it might still be cool. By the way, you have just convinced me that you will live longer than me. Because I forgot that you're going to, over time, replace all the parts of your body with cybernetics. So.
1: Oh, yeah, yes.
0: You're going to live on as a cyborg and I'll be... In my grave, um, you know. Hopefully, just, just next to my Mac, you know. Hopefully, with somebody to visit it and pour some iced tea, some lemonade out on lemonade it. Out <laughs> it. They, it gets ants. All right. Well, uh, this was fun. Um. Thank you oh, oh, wait a minute
1: Wait a minute Wait a minute
0: Oh, we have to keep listening to this song? No, 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 no I'm getting a signal here So, oh.
1: you know how the band usually takes the stage when we're done? Yeah The band is giving me a signal Okay That they're not going to take the stage
0: It's cool Somebody how we can see the band the from this car <laughs> Yeah
1: Yes. <laughs> the band that has been waiting so patiently in the back seat yeah. is signaling in the rear view mirror to me mm-hmm. that they are not going to start playing the front mission theme, but that somebody else... Hold on. Let's let's change this fantasy. Rewind. All right. Um, what's this tape we just found here? It's got really nice handwriting on it. Oh. This this tape is mm. from Zatch. Oh, And cool. all it says on it, is gvc oh yeah so i guess uh, a patron submitted special surprise again um and conveniently we're in this car that still has a tape deck so do Great. we want to listen to it
0: yeah let me unplug haju okay from the ox all right all right let's let's put this cassette in <laughs> Zatch, I think you might be pretty good.
1: Oh my god!
0: So that was Zatch playing the trumpet?
1: Yeah. Alo- so, uh.
0: Go ahead. Along to the track? Was. No.
1: How was it... Okay, so. We, uh. Zatch had recommended the Gerudo Valley theme to us. Mm-hmm. And, um, he had mentioned that he continued to play trumpet and. Was inspired to play trumpet because of this track, and so you just offhandedly said, "Yeah, make a cover of it, blow up our speakers," and I said, "Explode our hearts, Zach," um, not actually thinking that this would happen within a week. Not seven days had gone by, and this got dropped into our inbox. So what we're listening to right now is uh, Zach playing trumpet, and he's doing—he's uh, playing the song with his pal and bandmate Duck Duck Hunt Davey. Who is playing the banjo, the guitar, and doing most of the snapping and clapping. So between the two of them, they created this incredible cover. Um, When I listened to this for the first time, I was listening. So I I saw this in the inbox.
0: So none of this was from the game?
1: None of this is from the game. Wow. This is all just their cover. I know, right? So we got this in our inbox and i was upstairs and you know not near my computer but i couldn't wait and i didn't have any earphones near me so i'm playing this through this this little tablet with not the best sound quality but it was so good and my husband was asleep so i wasn't listening to it very loudly but i had it kind of like up against my ear and as the track was going on it just kept like kind of sinking into it and by the end of the track like my head was pressed into the couch And the tablet was like searing my face because it was warm, because it was just. (laughs) I was just pulled in. It was so good. It's so good.
0: Wow, it sounds really good. Uh, Zatch, do you make money with music somehow? I think you can. At least a little Uh, something on the side. It's. You you guys sound great.
1: I kind of like. I mean, our patrons are so great, and some of, you know, the talent, it just, it's beyond words, and I can't believe that some offhand comment that we made kind of got the ball rolling on this. It's like we said, patrons, be great, and they said, okay, greatness, and and they just like, yeah, I just, oh man, our patrons are going to kill me. Like, this track is so good, I think I'm gonna die.
0: <laughs>
1: I think I'm dying.
0: Uh-oh. What do we do? I'm gonna win. <laughs> You're gonna win. The game of life, yeah.
1: I think... I think I'm literally dying.
0: All right. Well, <sighs> before I lose a co-host, let's...
1: No, I'm already dead. That was the <clears throat> of the dry
0: bones. I, I used to love when kids would be like, I'm dead. Look, look, I'm dead. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, okay, well, dead, Emily. Hey, wait a minute. Did you just come back from the dead?
1: Um, I don't know. I'm not really sure what happened there.
0: All right. Well, Emily or self-necromanced Emily, please help me read these credits.
1: Okay. <laughs> we want to thank our patrons for submitting tracks those patrons are robot h waffle sauce la tuck marsh mike from twa super kicks all day long and of course a super special thanks to zatch and duck hunt davy for that amazing cover
0: and to everyone else who's written in and submitted suggestions keep them coming go to our website the VGMjukebox.com, and click the suggested track button to send your recommendation our way Or send us an email at thevgmjukebox at gmail.com.
1: Follow us on Twitter at vgmjb. Uh, And if you want to find us
0: individually, Josh is
1: Josh Adachi again, and I am at Keyglyph.
0: Subscribe to the podcast or on iTunes or on any podcatcher. And please remember to rate and review us at the iTunes store. We'd really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. You can uh, join us on Facebook if you want to talk there, facebook.com slash the VGM Jukebox. Check out our bulletin board and see what's going on with your fellow patrons, if they're up to any music-related, video game-related, or video- music-related, video game-related, or podcast-related projects. Um, So just take a look on your way out, see if there's something up. If there isn't, uh, there isn't.
0: Okay, well, um, can you still drive? Um... Your eyes are completely white.
1: I don't know what's going on right now, actually. Maybe we should switch.
0: Okay. I just... I feel very weird. Yeah, maybe pull over. Okay. Told you you were a necromancer. I... Okay. There's the end of the level. Cool. Let's see if we can make it in time. I don't know. We only have 10 seconds, but I can see it. Well, I guess we'll, uh, we'll just have to see.
1: I'm starting to think that maybe you're right. Well, until next time, everybody. (laughs) Bye, Bye, everybody.